The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your game master's permission before listening. I have failed you, listener. I've failed you. I should have known the Dark Times was plotting to take over. Anakin podcasts are evil! From my point of view, the rules lawyers are evil. Well, then you are lost! Welcome back to the Dark Times podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite aspiring Jedi Knight. And I'm Steven, your favorite beleaguered, regretful Jedi Master. Oh, there we go. Kenobi out on Disney Plus now. (laughs) Oh, we got the check came in. Kathleen, honey, the check went through. You're getting plugs 24 seven. Now check out Andor Wednesdays on Disney plus first four episodes are out now. They're really episodes of a show. (laughs) They are really episodes of a show. Oh my God. No, we're not shills yet. We're we're getting there. With your help, dear listeners, we can know. Hashtag shill out the dark times. (laughs) I recently became unemployed. Dear listeners, so like, if you've noticed more shill jokes lately, that's why. <laughs> the lore. The Stephen, the, the Stephen <laughs> Deep lore. <laughs> Unemployed, writing down in their notes. Between jobs. Between jobs. <laughs> what are we, um, we have some feedback. Yeah, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What do we do here? Yeah, uh, emails. We get, we get emails quite you a bit. Know, wait. I feel like we say it's the Dark Times podcast and we say who we are, but we don't really say what the show is, huh? Well, should we start saying maybe what the show we is? should? Yeah. Huh. All the podcasts I listen to kind of do something. Yeah, like that. I just realized that yeah. just now. The Dark Times podcast is about Star Wars Saga Edition. In case because, you in case, forgot, in case you or don't know. in case you're tuning in just now for the first time, Sam and I just you realized what? what? You know what? What I'll do from now on is I'll say. Welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. That is the name of That's the show. That's perfect. That is the name of the show, except you have to pronounce Saga correctly. We have some feedback, Steve. Yeah, we get emails. And hey, if you want to send us an email about anything, please, this podcast is your platform. Send the email to darktimeswissy at gmail.com. Yeah, maybe you had a nice lunch and you want to tell us about it. I want to hear about your lunch. I'm a big, bit of a lunch fan myself. Big lunch head. Big lunch head in the chat. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Zoy Krolik sent us a few great emails, a couple covering skills versus defenses in Saga Edition. Uh, for the uninitiated, uh, just know this is a well-trodden area of Swissy's design discussion going back a, a decade, truly. 15 uh, years at this 15 point. 15 years about or so. Definitely worth discussing on the show. We're not going to get into that today, but trust me, the, the wheels are turning. I'm keeping Zloy. Those emails, I, I have them here in my hand. Whoop, they're going right in my back pocket. I'm going to have those back there till till we can visit this discussion again. But you did send another email this week that I, I wanted to get into. Zloy says, thanks for the time you take for the podcast and thanks for using my emails. I hope I'm not monopolizing the listener content. Thank you, Zloy. And never worry, send in anything you like as much as you like. If it's too much to read on the show, well, I just won't. <laughs> <laughs> or we'll recommend you post it on the subreddit. Exactly. Exact. Same goes for everyone else. This podcast, like I said, your platform, that's what we want it to be. Anything Star Wars or Saga Edition related you want to send in, have it read aloud, fan some into segment. We've had a couple of those, and I really, really like those. Uh, Bill. Because it's less work for you. Is that it's why? less work for me. <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, anything, any build you make, a cool homebrew vehicle, item, anything. Send An it idea our way. for an encounter you had. Yeah. 
encounter that went well and encounter that went poorly. Seriously. So it continues. You're correct in that encounter design makes or breaks a game. It's taken me years of game mastering to get a good handle on this aspect of role playing. The guide by Nietzsche has some good stuff in it. And as you pointed out in the podcast, it works well with the 10 point guide on encounter design. I think they mean the, uh, the encounter design, design checklist. checklist there. Yeah. One of the other things I learned over the years that goes along with encounter design is time management. That is how long it takes to play out those encounters. Many times I've suffered through long encounters as a player. Oh boy, have I. And made my players suffer through them as a GM. Oh, yes, I have. That's sorry. That's me editorializing. <laughs> if that wasn't clear, I can't speak in italics as much as I would like to. As much as I would like to. <laughs> See what I did? He's, he's learning. <laughs> he's beginning to believe. Tone modulation for a podcaster. Who would have thought? Either taking longer for the time available or pushing on longer than they should go or past the point where the players are tired and not engaged with the encounter. Long slogs can sap the energy of a game. Conversely, as you've pointed out, a good encounter can energize players, even if they are long. Higher interest usually means higher energy and higher engagement enjoyment. Very well said, Zloy. I think that's very wise. Something that I do a lot, and I'm sure Zloy does, and I'm sure you do too, Sam, is when I realize an encounter is kind of dragging on. And this is like... Probably more often than not, really, is when I experience this. For whatever reason, it's just we're on turn 20 and I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this. So they probably are, too. (laughs) Session three of this encounter. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, no, for real. I just start taking enemies off the board and like it's like the, the next mook that's hit is dead. I don't care where its health was before. Like, there's no reason to abide by your health pools like that. They're set in stone or anything. If an encounter is dragging on. And you know it's dragging on. End it. Just start. Just have the HP pool and everything on the board, or or just start killing dudes. What's cool about Star Wars? Star Destroyers can just show up. Yeah, they can just show up out of nowhere. Yeah, that'll get your players out of there. Oh yeah, no one wants to be around when a Star Destroyer shows up. Yeah, they'll be like, oh fuck, we're out of here. That's a, and also it's a great turn dramatically. Oh your players yeah. will be like, holy shit, that Star Destroyer showed up and we had to escape. Like that was crazy. And these battlefield effects started happening. Yeah, they're gonna love it. They're gonna, you know, it's the rule of cool at the speed of plot. <laughs> it's kind of what you want, you know. What a convenient package of words you've you've laid out for us today. I took two RPGisms and I put them together. <laughs> And that means you're smart. Remember, if you use the same copy-pasted RPGisms on the forums every day, it means you're the head honcho. You're the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> they don't know I'm the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you want to talk about in the show today, Sam? Well, Stephen, it's that time of year, you know. Ooh, it's getting a little spooky outside. Yeah, I've been going on it, walks lately. Chill? Yeah, the it's chill's chill in the, the air. air. It's nice foggy where we live, so... There's men in jumpsuits with masks. Oh, yeah. All sorts of stuff. I think. Michael Myers. Oh, my God. That's really okay. Yeah, see, that's. Well, Stephen, we wanted to talk about. We've kind of hit into a nice groove of doing mechanics and then like role play based episodes. Yeah, sure. Back and forth. I think so. Yeah, no, I mean, I I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can just never tell if people like the the more role play focused ones or not. Yeah, it's hard to tell. But uh, I'm. Well, if they hate them, they'll let us know. How's that? Please do. What sort of characters embody this time of year in the Star Wars universe? So it's, it's villains, right? I yeah. mean, we're in Halloween time. It's time to talk about bad guys, evildoers. Things that go bump in the night. Yeah, bumpity bump, bump, bump. Things that bump off dudes they don't like. Ooh. There you go. What? Darth Vader. Darth Vader. He bumps off, you know, he, you know like, a, like, a, like a mobster saying, I want you to bump off a guy. And Vader's oh, like, I don't know if I've heard that one before. No, I think I made that up. Okay, cool. <laughs> Villains, Sam. What does it take to play 
an evil character? This is a question that's often asked and often answered. Whoa, 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 Steven. You're saying we're tackling the villains from the player perspective? Oh, yeah. Not just oh, from yeah. the game master? No, no, there is plenty of room for an evil Swissy campaign. Let me tell you. As we know, straight from the man himself, Rodney, Saga Edition is designed to be heroes. He touched on this specifically in an interview. It's a heroic game for the good guys, for taking out the bad guys. That doesn't change the fact that you open up one of these books, you see a lot of options for Darksiders and other ne'er-do-wells. Well, Stephen, from my point of view, the good guys are evil. And if that's how you feel, then maybe this is something you should consider. We ran an evil one shot once. So Do you, glad you remember? It up. I was I was like on the edge of my seat waiting. No, to bring of course. It up. Very good. Very good. I'm glad you enjoyed it, uh, listeners. Uh, for those of you that weren't there, <laughs> <laughs> it was a little little harp playing. You know, we we're taking you back. This yeah. was a couple <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I got the idea. We were like halfway through our our first like one to twenty saga edition campaign, and I I, I saw all these cool dark side options on the table that were just. Laying there, you know, I'd fold a few into a boss every now and then because that's what they're there for. But, but you got to pass the fun around, Steve. Exactly. I mean, we have the Sith Apprentice class. We have the Sith Lord class. We've got the Crime Lord class. We've got all the dark side talent tree. You got Imperial Inquisitor. We Imperial all Inquisitor. Why not use these? So I had the idea halfway through that campaign to be like, hey, guys, let's do an evil version of our campaign. Let's do an evil alternate universe where... The shoes on the other foot. You guys are the bad guys in this same story. It, of course, it wasn't connected to the main campaign at all. It was totally isolated. I, I get tired of the word AU. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. think that that. No, here we have EU, Steven. Exactly. <laughs> when I just hear, oh, yeah, my Star Wars AU homebrew setting. I just I don't know. I've, those words are so. It's a Legends campaign now. Yeah, That's those why words they, are so well trodden and just it's like a raggedy old shirt you see on the side of the freeway. It's like AU, AU, AU. Everyone wants to say AU and I get it. Whatever. <laughs> sure. It's it's descri- it describes what you're talking about, but it's just I don't know. Maybe because, you know, I was on Tumblr a lot in 2014. So like. So when they when you hear the word Star Wars AU in a social media context, it's usually like, "What if Luke was Leia?" Exactly. No, seriously, it's like it's like I, I'm used to hearing about like Tumblr coffee shop AUs yeah. and like someone's crack new Star Wars AU where Kylo Luke Ren. falls to the dark side. It's like okay, we've been. We've been over this for 50 years now. Like, it's it's fine. But there's nothing, man, there's nothing no, wrong with that. No. no. <laughs> Semantics aside. Stopping the ice cream truck falling from the sky. <laughs> no, wait. It's okay. You can do that stuff. However, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I can't remember precisely what I set you guys up against, but. Oh, I remember. Please, yes, please elaborate. It please was, enlighten me. This is, this was like the context this was like episode four. This was a new hope. Yeah. Basically. Oh, that's we were, right. We were at Yavin. That's the Death right. Star was on its way to Yavin. That's right. Uh, Obi-Wan was still alive. Yeah. So we had to fight Luke, Obi-Wan, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Leia. And uh, a, f- a few other NPCs from our campaign who were like, oh yeah, now we're like full-fledged rebel commanders that's right. now. You, cool, you killed, the, there were some soldiers you guys hung out with. Yeah. Uh, their names is Commando Squad 7. Commando man. Squad 7. Lucky Squadron, codename. Lucky Squadron, Oh man, I'm getting chills. Steven, you're such yeah. a good writer. <laughs> oh, come on, please. But yeah, you know what, what was really the impetus for that whole, um, was, did you ever play the DLC for Force Unleashed? 
oh yeah, yeah, where you fight like the yeah, yeah. It's its own kind of dark side version of the story where Star Killer kind of assumes the mantle that Darth Vader had and goes through the original trilogy, cutting down Chewbacca and Leia and all that. First of all, he doesn't cut down Chewbacca. He uses the force to pull Chewbacca in front of him as Han Solo loads him full of blaster That's right. Balls. He uses Chewbacca as a force choke meat shield. Insane, though. It's Insane. Over the top. And the fight bullshit. with Luke is so great because he just turns Luke to the dark side. Yes. So good. Yes. And so I, I want to do something like that. That was kind of my first exposure to this idea in Star Wars storytelling. So I wanted to do that for... Yavin 4 and you know what if my players were evil versions of themselves fucking shit up on on Yavin 4 and it was fun it was a good time ended in a twist too yeah not only did we fight all the rebels and take out the rebels we actually also the Death Star like fired on Yavin at low power anyway yeah it did like a scarif thing yeah yeah and so we survived barely but Palpatine and Vader came down to finish the job themselves, which one is insane to me, but also what a fucking, <laughs> yeah, like, it was ridiculous. What a power trip. It was so great. Corny bullshit is what I was going for, but it was full lease just to turn it up and rip the knob clean off on edgy bullshit, which, you know, in controlled medicated doses <laughs> is very, very fun. I need 50 cc's of goth. <laughs> it was great. It was a very memorable moment. And in fact, I got goose. Goose gumps. Goose bumps. Or go I, bump goose. Boops, boops gumps. <laughs> and everyone died except um, one character. Our, our party our Jedi. Jedi yeah. yeah. Who went on to a rage and like teleported up to yep. the Death Star went into and started a, killing dudes. Totally enraged and fold spaced onto the Death Star above an orbit and we ended it there. It's cooler than it sounds. It's cooler. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Your role in that one shot was funny to me because you were playing Fry, your old yeah. kind of busted cowboy themed droid. <laughs> Theme, yeah. Cowboy theme park scoundrel droid. Yeah, if I recall correctly, you you weren't really evil. No, he was just going along with everyone. Yeah, else. you were kind of just like, what's the word I'm looking for? Complicit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like your character wasn't much different. You just were like, oh, I guess. Guess this is how we are now. Like, <laughs> yeah, everyone changed sides, and he was like, "Well, they're my friends, so I yeah. guess I'm gonna go hang out with them with those cowpokes." <laughs> And my favorite thing about that one shot and, and what the players did, and this is a very smart thing I want to tell other people to do too. When conjuring up evil characters, specifically evil versions of their characters, they didn't turn into these like hand wringing, like, yes, yes, we're evil, <laughs> like versions of their characters. <laughs> they were... They, they were characters that by and large had kind of surrendered to their circumstances. They weren't these cartoonish, like mustache twirling, like ah, I love torturing puppies for fun. <laughs> I've tied these puppies to the railroad track. Yeah, they weren't <laughs> like that. And I think that's a pitfall I see a lot in the RPG community overall when it comes to role playing an evil character. But instead it was, it was shifted. It was just depressing. It was like, it was these People who had faced these hardships under the empire and decided that instead of, you know, remaining hopeful, rising above it, yeah. sticking to their guns, they they just kind of wanted to see the world burn. You it know, not like, to bring up the Joker so soon, <laughs> but it was very like perseverance had failed. Yes, precisely. And that's, you know, potent in Star Wars. You know, Star Wars is all about perseverance. We talk about that all the time. But the few moments when Star Wars decides that perseverance isn't enough. There's that one, the like the last episode of visions oh, yeah. where the Jedi's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think a personal favorite um, 
Sir Junda's uh, Padawan. Very much you see that in her. Yes. Like that, the giving up, even though she gets given up by her master. Yeah. And, you know, she could have held on. I'm sure someone could have held on and resisted being an Inquisitor and then just get killed or whatever, or in hopes of being rescued. But no, you could see that in her character very much like, there's nothing left for me. This is kind of where I'm at now. And these themes are repeated even like throughout the Clone Wars, like with Ahsoka's story, like Ahsoka was ever hopeful, ever sticking to what she knew. The only crime Ahsoka was ever guilty of was standing up for herself. And that's kind of what I like about Barriss Offee. They kind of, they very characterize her closely to Ahsoka. Yeah, they're foils. Like, yeah, exactly. They're foils. Yeah. That's the word, Stephen. That's the smart word people use. <laughs> hey, I, foils. I, I, I took English class in high school. I know what a foil <laughs> is. All right, Stephen. We've talked about the cliches and the stuff we like and the stuff we don't like. Yeah. What's any other tips and tricks for those cool, edgy uh, Sith Lords out there? Yeah. So if you want to play an evil character, obviously that's a session zero thing. I mean, anything you want to do with your character session zero. But like if you're sitting down to play Saga Edition, odds are everyone's hoping to be good guys. And if that isn't the case, no doubt you've already talked about it. Right. Because like I think it's safe to assume in this system, good guys are default. Yeah, like, I don't think anyone's going to send me hate mail for saying that. It's <laughs> it's the truth. It's a Star the, Wars the G- game. The the master of all masters, creator of the game, said so himself. Exactly. And it's like, that's a fair assumption just based on how the game is structured. They're not called villainous characters. Yeah, They're yeah. Characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the asshole classes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, know when to play an evil character. It should be obvious when you're allowed to. And if you want to, just ask. The worst you hear is no, and then you can go to another table where you can be evil. You should always remain a team player, though. I've done a bit of digging on it. I watched a few videos. I read some some Stack Overflow uh, wow. <laughs> pages, some just, Reddit just comments. trudging up the old stuff, Well, yeah, huh? I just Googled, like, how to play an evil character in D&D. And I just read a bunch of stuff that I, I will now kind of bring to you my thoughts here. You got to remain cooperative, right? Because it's a team game, no matter how you chop it. Yeah. The second you steal everyone's stuff in the night and leave, you're not playing the game anymore. And the GM's just going to be like, well, that's an NPC now. Yeah. Play a different character. And let's talk about, you know, evil cooperative villains. Star Wars is rife with them. Let's talk about Darth Vader. It doesn't get, well, what? Chancellor Palpatine. Chancellor Palpatine. It doesn't get much more evil than Palpatine. But what is Palpatine, if not deeply patient, extremely charismatic, and understands better than anyone in all of Star Wars storytelling how to manipulate those around him? Steven, we forgot the the one who fucking does it right. Darth Maul in Rebels. Maul in Rebels approaching Ezra and being like, you're my pa- you're like my apprentice now, right? We're cool. Yeah. We're friends. Yeah. The patience on Maul is so good. Seriously, Maul had machinations of his own. And if Maul fit the definition of what some people think of is an evil RPG character, he would draw his lightsaber and start snarling the moment Ezra <laughs> entered his line of view. But he doesn't do that. Well, that's because Ezra would, would cast Detect Good and Evil first. <laughs> and Ezra would see Maul there. And yeah. Hey, this guy with... <laughs> You know, it's funny you bring up that arc because Ezra's like trying to tell everyone that Maul's okay, actually, but he's literally doused in red and has like devil <laughs> horns like all in his head. Is Ezra's racist. like, he's a good guy. <laughs> he's a good guy. He just doesn't shower, hangs out in the shadows and is, you know, has horns. Has an evil laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but no, that that's that's an evil character. I mentioned Vader. You know, Vader. Okay, Vader wasn't the best example of a cooperative villain because he does just like strangle his subordinates the first chance he gets. But Palpatine, even better, evil incarnate, also patient and very cooperative. You want Palpatine on your group project? That guy's a go getter. <laughs> he's not evil in that he's a hand wringing cartoonish villain because he is. But what makes him evil and interesting is that he is that but still manages to work with people that's the most dangerous kind of evil there is the real evil we have in our everyday lives is that evil return of the jedi where he's egging luke on to strike him down with his own lightsaber it's great oh i'm afraid the <laughs> deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. Why does he say it like that? I will never know and I love it. It's so funny. It's so mean. It is. Just mocking him. Luke's staying there with his hands fucking handcuffed together. Can't do anything. Friends are dying out there in space. Like Revan 2. The sequel to Revan? No. Holy shit. That's why the Coder remake thing got got nixed. They introduced Revan 2. No, Revan is awesome. You know, first guy to ever say that on a Star Wars podcast, right? And live. Revan's compelling because he was made a villain by those who surrounded him. The mythology of the Jedi made Revan a villain. Revan, there was no senseless violence from Revan's point of view. There was no evil doing from Revan's point of view. Sure, Revan consciously like made himself closer to the dark side, and that of itself, as we understand, is an inherently evil power. But Revan's motivations were extremely relatable and amicable. Any normal human being not raised in a crazy space monk cult would understand what Revan was doing and why. Revan saw an unjust execution of millions of innocents and... His mentors told him that he would be evil. He would be a villain if he rose up to do something about it. That's another great way to play an evil character, a character that maybe from a certain point of view has a completely just cause. Maybe their knowledge is imperfect. Maybe their methods are imperfect. And because of that, they've been damned to villainhood by the world around them. That's a great villain right there. And this is why Steven thinks Thanos did nothing wrong. <laughs> okay, I kind of like Thanos, you know, not because of his <laughs> ideology, but like he had the charisma, the resources, the strategic planning. Thanos wasn't exactly the kind of villain to tie a bunch of tup- puppies, tuppies? Puppies to a train track. Thanos puppies. That's what a tuppy is. <laughs> Maybe it's a thuppy. That's Thanos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, little ones. <laughs> I'm just imagining purple puppies with that chin. Yeah, that's all I'm thinking of. <laughs> but yeah, Thanos is obvious. I mean, everyone knows about Thanos. Another thing, and then that's kind of the point I wanted to make is that, you know, realistic, tolerable evil at the RPG table comes from evil. All, all, every villain, everyone's favorite villain has a backstory explanation for why they are. No one's really born evil, probably, right? Like either that's the whole nature versus nurture argument. We're not going to get into that. But think about Dracula, classic literary villain, a, a, one of the first like modern villains in literature. I just watched Bram Stoker's Dracula, the movie. Oh, in case yeah. You can't tell. 
that's a tragic figure. A lot of great villains start as tragic figures. Mr. DeBonesby from Rude Tales of Magic. What a weird pull, Stephen. The second time you've pulled Rude Tales of Magic on this podcast. He's the perfect example of an evil but amicable party member. Mr. DeBonesby is evil. In the later bit of the show, he's kind of different he's now. He's got a and redemption arc. And he's got a redemption arc. We'll talk arc. about those, well, too. That, yeah, that's, that, that, those are important to go over and how to, how to do one that doesn't suck, kind of, or is cliched and lame. Mr. DeBonesby. And I'm going to spoil this because I, I don't care if you're not listening to it already. Then that's that's on you. You'll probably forget by the time it gets to that point in the probably show. honestly, Mr. DeBonesby is a failed lich. He started on his path to lichdom when he killed his abusive father in a blind rage using forbidden magic brought to him by like literally the devil, probably. Yeah, <laughs> very much that sort of like, hey, oh. Solve all your problems, dark magic book bound with human leather, you know, stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. He had, yeah, some sort of crazy Necronomicon, and then he casted Arcane Bolt on his dad, and then his dad died. But that's so tragic. Mr. DeBonesby was a child with an neglectful father in a vast, rich, empty mansion, and was pushed too far because of his circumstances. No one could blame a child for what he did, but it sent that child on the path to becoming a truly evil lich. Like, a li- it doesn't get much eviler than a lich, right? Am I wrong? Open up your monster manuals, kids. <laughs> Look at the alignment on the, the first lich you see. Lawful evil, probably. <laughs> probably. Very Anakin Skywalker when you think about it. Huh? Anakin's the exact same way. I wanted to loop this back from Dracula to the Bones being to Anakin. We don't need to tell you why Anakin's story is tragic. It is. Slave child? Are you kidding the two me? two saddest words in the English yes. language. You don't, you don't need to go anywhere from that. And they, they do. We, we get a great expansion on what made Anakin how he is. But like slave child's a good place to start, especially if you're writing something up for a one shot or something. Slave child and lives on a desert planet. <laughs> like Awful. Everything about that situation is bad. If if my GM was like, oh, hey, yeah, give me a backstory for your evil character. I would just say slave child. And that would really be it, because that's tra- that's so painful. Orphan clones, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Silco, you haven't watched League of Legends Arcane. No, I've not. Which is fine. Silco is the main villain of that story. He becomes a villain because he was actually a business partner of like the main character's father figure. Who ends up like betraying in cold blood for like almost no reason. (laughs) He literally drowns Silco and leaves him for dead. I think to either get uh, his share for a job or just to tie up loose ends or something like that. The details are hazy. It's been a while. But and then Silco comes back full revenge to ruin this guy's life. And he succeeds. He literally does it. It works. The man does it. Yeah, he, he takes it. He adopts his daughter kills him, ruins his other adoptive daughter's life, and puts her in prison, he succeeds. The best villains are petty. In the grand scheme of things. I agree. Dracula, pettiest guy ever. Yes. Lost, like, some crusade-related conflict 600 years ago. (laughs) Still won't let up about it. Still, like, his wife died. Still won't let up about it. So mad that blood literally drained from the walls and from his holy cross, infecting him with a unique necromatic blood curse to wreak his revenge on humanity, mostly British dudes who have nothing to do with his suffering. (laughs) Irrelevant British guys. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen Bram Stoker's Dracula? I have not, but now I'm gonna. It's got a cowboy in it. (laughs) 
I'll give it a one out of one on the cowboy scale. <laughs> and another great motivation, the, the, the key of what I'm trying to get at here, if you're evil, if you're going to be evil at your table, if everyone's being evil at your table, solidify your motivation. Understand the thread of evilness, the type of evilness you're going to embody. A lot, I, I wasn't a fan of this approach, just, you know, for a lot of reasons. A lot of the things I read online recommended choosing a deadly sin. Yeah, that's like the cliche of cliches, though, isn't that's it? That's what I'm saying. Like, and again, this post was like eight years old. So, you know, it was, it was fresh back then. Yeah, maybe it was fresh. But it was a D&D 3.5 thread. So, okay. like, maybe that was fresh back then. But the seven deadly sins are rife within our Western literature. They are a core part of evil storytelling. If you need a guide or some sort of thread to motivate your evil self along choosing one of those sins is not bad avarice you know come on now instead of a multiple choice thing now it's like a sliders so the seven deadly sliders up and down like 10 <laughs> percent lust 20 well yeah make it a powerpuff girl situation you know mix in some avarice some sloth you know some lust i don't know <laughs> go easy on the lust <laughs> yeah it's not, not that kind of rpg game buddy. no it's not course and, and you know greed's a good one for like an evil bounty hunter guy a guy who just loves killing for money oh yeah sometimes i see that pitched as like oh the true truly ambivalent to good and evil he just kills for coin like he's not evil and he's not good it's like no he's just evil <laughs> killing people just for money that's that's evil man it's only until he doesn't kill the good guys for money i guess so because I, I see a lot of people hold up boba fett as this like Pre-Book of Boba Fett, Boba okay. Fett. Yeah, yeah. We're ignoring that for now. OG for the sake Boba of Fett. OG Boba Fett. Back in the day, and maybe this is, was just, you know, edgy teenagers on the playground, but like Boba Fett I saw held up so often as this truly in-between like Luke and Vader character. <laughs> he, he isn't, by the way. <laughs> if you enjoy killing for sport and money, that's evil. I'm sorry, man. Like Han Solo's that character. You Han know? Solo's that character. The rogue with a heart of gold. That's what you're thinking of. And he chooses good. That's the point. It's the whole point. What's interesting is. The Mandalorian is, is also kind of that. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of. Yeah. Because he's. he's Because he. The first. He's like, you know. Oh, my God. It's. A it's baby. A baby. <laughs> it's a fucking kid. I'm not going to kill a kid for no reason. I was a kid once. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. We're talking about those points where characters, you know, choose to do the good thing when maybe they existed somewhere in between before. Best thing you can do when you're evil is get to those points and then choose the evil thing. <laughs> I mean, that sounds obvious, but especially here we go. If you want to play the kind of evil character that gets redeemed, first off, do tell that to everyone up front so they know to help you with that, because yeah. if you need they're going to be redeeming you clearly make them inconsistent. The best, most compelling evil characters have these fleeting moments of compassion and care, and then we'll go right back to killing puppies the next day. Not because they're inconsistent or poorly written, but because that's realistic. That's how people navigate life. I don't know about you, Sam, but I've kind of been on a roller coaster of good and bad choices <laughs> in my life before. I don't know about you, Sam, but I kick puppies every day. <laughs> <laughs> you want this selflessness tempered by selfishness. That's what you want in your redeemable evil character. Tell me if I'm wrong. No, I love it. It's great. So to wrap this last 30 minutes or whatever into a nice little package for you, for you to think on, and please get back to me, darktimeswissy at gmail.com, about your thoughts on evil character, because I do want to hear more about this. Solidify your motivation. Avoid cliches when possible. Remain a team player. And remember that evil begets evil. 
you will have to not just create an evil character, you'll also have to dream up the evil that birthed them. And also, you know, have it be clear with your game master at least. Yeah, that goes without saying pretty much everything we say, you know, but... But even, I think, Stephen, we've also had moments where, you know, the first dark side point in the party. Oh, yeah. Those are very much like... Oh my God, you just killed that guy for no reason. Oh yeah. You killed that guy to get on the, the hut's good side, but he was just a dude. You know, we had a moment exactly like that. We had a player that wanted to play a character that pushed the boundaries on their morality and did kind of want to strike out from their own, from the party. It didn't always work out because they made a couple mistakes. They never decided exactly how evil they wanted to be. So when they were really evil, we were shocked and a little scared for them. They didn't have that sort of line drawn. No, they didn't solidify their motivation. We didn't know why this character was evil. We not really other than hard, hard knock life. I'm not sure to benefit themselves. Yeah. Agreed. You know, to. Yeah. But we didn't know their motivation and we didn't know how evil that they wanted to get. So when they, you know, slaughtered innocents to get on a hut's good side, we were all a little shocked. Especially the the Jedi in the party. Especially the Jedi in the party, who wasn't exactly a Boy Scout themselves. But they were like, "Uh, there's no proof this guy did anything wrong. We're not just going to kill him for favor. Yeah. And you you know you messed up when the hut starts laughing afterwards. I'm just saying. That's what I did. (laughs) I was, oh. (laughs) But in conclusion. In conclusion. Solidify your motivation. Avoid cliches. Though cliches are fun. You can rip the knob off. If the time is right and the setting is appropriate, remain a team player. That goes without saying, no matter what you do with your character, please just go fucking cooperate. Evil begets evil. Please tell me what you think. Please tell me about evil characters you've played. Please tell me your thoughts on playing evil characters at the table, especially surrounded by good or neutral characters. If I could end this on one sentence, I would say uh, be an evil character, not an evil player. Oh, that's it. Good. That's it. Some good advice. That's really good. Thank you so much for listening to Dark Times Podcast. Yes. <laughs> Steven, we got a tweet. It's rare that we get tweets. Yeah, we don't get many tweets. But I like when we get tweets. I like when we get tweets. At Dark Times SWSE. I don't think our audience is much of tweeters. Yeah, they're not very much tweeters. I like it when they do. They're more thread people. Yeah. Forum people. Forum people. We're, for, we're, good up, we're a good upstanding forum folk here, Steven. <laughs> Fruin Levin, longtime listener, John W., our patron, just got his shirt in, took a picture, posted it on Twitter. Looks so good. It looks awesome. I was so happy to see this. I have the, what I'm going to call the beta version of the shirt. Yeah. You got the first print run, which was not perfect. I'm kind of jealous. I'm not going to lie, John. I'm kind of jealous of this shirt. Looks really good. I'll get you another one. So yeah, a shout out to Froon Levin and the FSF Popcast. John is a longtime listener and received his Patreon exclusive t-shirt. Check out FSF Popcast at FSF Popcast on Twitter. They're playing some Saga Edition later this month. Oh, that's really and cool. And John's going to wear his Dark Times shirt. Oh, man, that's I'm so, so sick. excited. And hey, if you want a t-shirt, well, all you got to do is get on that Patreon, subscribe for three months. and the $10 tier. $10 tier. And Patreon will send you a shirt. We're still working on getting a sticker into that tier. Patreon still won't fix their website to let us do so. But please hang in there. You all are entitled to a sticker. We will ensure you get one one way or another. Global shipping included all that. Global shipping included. It's not U.S. only. You can use Patreon. I know we got some listeners around the world. You can get a T-shirt. You can get a shirt. It's like, and this is the reason why we chose Patreon to do our merch. It's a little cumbersome, especially with this whole little sticker issue we've been having. But 
it takes so much of the work out of our hands. We don't have to fill our homes with t-shirt inventory. We don't have to track you guys on a spreadsheet. I don't have to go to the post office and free shipping worldwide. It's just easier for everyone, I think. And you get a sticker at the $5 tier for the same dealio too. So go ahead, hop on that right now. Steven, patrons don't care about the finer things. You don't care about these material no, goods. No, it's no, all about no, the no, other no. stuff. It's about the supporting the show because podcast costs are costs, man. Uh, they we, cost. We Did, put a bunch of hours to this show every week. About 10 man hours a piece. The show has pretty hefty hosting costs. I didn't even know it costs this much money to host a podcast. Exactly. But it does. We've had to replace audio equipment breaks very often. More often than you'd like. Yeah. You know, that's what happens when you buy stuff on eBay, but yeah. it happens. You can't help it. But all of our stuff's been replaced with beautiful non-eBay related stuff. <laughs> and, it, yeah. and it works. It works. Patrons also get to vote in all of our current and future bounties. You know, if you're listening to this later down the line, maybe in a couple weeks or so, we might have a bounty up there. Oh, it then. might be time for one here pretty soon. Yeah, you know, we like to just let the let the patrons breathe a bit. You know, it's so much effort to get them to vote on a bounty sometimes. I don't want to burn them out. <laughs> you don't want to burn them out. And Steve and I are also working on the Dark Times module. It's yep. down there. We've got a bunch of super cool pre-gen sheets up there with some character Oh, guides, yeah, really all you like need, that. you could sit down and play Swissy in 15 minutes with those. Probably, probably. You know, say, say you could do that with anything else. Cards. <laughs> like Card. Uno. <laughs> Checkers. Checkers. Chess, even. Steven's also got his now open to the public hex scroll guide on there. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a patron exclusive, though it went free for everyone because it was already like built from free. Yeah, it was already built from free for everyone content, and it was exclusive for like a year. So I figured, what the hell, let the floodgates open. You could probably expect more stuff like that in the near future. Uh, now that I don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> who knows what I could get up to? Who knows? Who knows what he could get up to? I, that's what I like about Steve. Every week we check in on his wacky get rich quick antics and see what uh, happens. Oh yeah. I'm just, all the time. I'm just the worst. <laughs> of course, if you don't want to support us on Patreon, that's totally fine. There's many other ways to support the show. You can share it with your friends, share it with your players, share it online. A lot of people plug the podcast when there's a relevant discussion on Reddit about it. You know what, whatever you need, whatever you want. Super awesome. We're just really thankful for it. every week. We're just, Pelted, really, snowball fight style. Compliments, well wishes, good words. Uh, really, it, it means it means everything to, to me. I don't know about Sam. It means everything to me too, Steven. How dare you assume I don't appreciate our <laughs> listeners. And you know what? Just for that, I'm going to cut this break short. <laughs> Steven. Yeah. We are talking, uh, we, we, talk about, we talk a lot about villains. Yeah. And we've talked about villains in the past, in like BBEGs and stuff like that. Yeah. But... There's a particular villain that me and the rest of our friends hate. We despise this man. Oh, yeah. He's the worst. He's very much Tarkin meets Dracula. Hate this guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, this you're, you're talking about Hinch Beltane. Even his name sucks. Yeah. No, I, I wanted to create the, the perfect sucking guy. Like the guy who's just the worst. Yeah. Hinch Beltane was the last big bad evil guy in our first one to 20 campaign, we kind of had an inverted approach to the classic style of BBEG in, in that campaign. You killed the BBEG, the main bad guy first. His name was Zeshkahet. We've talked about him on the show before. He was kind of this possessed Sith sort of relic guy. He what was some, his species again? Zeshkahet? He was a Gendai. Yeah. So he was all stretchy and fleshy and strange and gross. Like weird Sith demon Gendai. Yeah. Super kind, cool. Kind of a dark samurai thing going so on cool. too. Really glad you love him. The party ended up killing him first. 
And the thing was, is that he had this whole cabal of like dark side cultists that were very close with him, worshiped him, you know, made themselves in his image or whatever. And then once you took out the head honcho, you kind of went one by one eliminating these underlings. And the final and most powerful of them was Hinch Beltane, and he had this plan cooked up to revive his old master, to return Zeshkehet to a physical form, and continue wrecking shit on the party with him. He ultimately failed, but he got pretty damn close. All the while, he just did everything bad, everything wrong, everything evil to the party, because I really wanted to see how far I could get before you guys just lost it and went straight for his head. I, I took limbs... I took beloved NPCs, everything, really. And I wanted this guy to kind of be like a a Sith Dracula, like a a vampire type guy. He's a level 20, medium Anzadi Noble 3, Jedi 5, Melee Duelist 5, Sith Apprentice 5, Sith Lord 2. Now, that... Those just make those those numbers and words make me angry, Stephen. I don't understand why. <laughs> now, a quick note about the Anzadi. I didn't. I liked the Anzadi species traits, so I just used these. Hinch Beltane was largely, you know, a, a near human, more or less. They he, don't look that different from humans, to be honest. The Swissy does. Yeah, they have these weird like nasal things that go into your brain and take your uh, your vital energy, and they call it soup drinking, which I. Really could never take seriously, but hey, at least, you know, <laughs> and and dear listeners, you will have the stat block on here. It's going to be different from the ones we usually present. This is actually the HTML output from the saga sheet. So nice. It looks nice and colorful. So, the, so cool. those familiar with that sheet will be familiar with this layout. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a dueling lightsaber, made heavy use of riposte. He had battle strike, memory walk, resist force, force lightning, of course. Come on. Move object, force stun and prescience. Block, deflect, plus 26 for each of those. Jesus. Dark healing field. Oh, man. Improved dark healing. See, let me, let me come over here, dear listener, and take a look on this side of things over here. Let's talk about his ability scores, because I just dug up the stat block from <laughs> years of archiving, and I'll just read his ability scores, and then we can talk about how we got here. Strength, 2. Dex, 10. Con, 2. Int, 15. Wisdom, 20. Charisma, 22. Oh, man, Steven. So don't do this, <laughs> is what I have to say. This was a, a boss stat block made by a burgeoning GM, new to the system. Three quarters of the way through the campaign is new to the system? Of your first campaign. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Also, he had noble fencing style and all that shit. If you couldn't tell by his fucking stats, I was really enamored with the idea of a charisma fighter. Still am. I just think it's so cool. I'm a fencer in real life, and I just think it's cool that you can make an attack stat build off of a stat like charisma. It's just it's unorthodox. I love it. Don't min max this hard. Don't don't have a con of two. It was it did kind of end up being fun, though, because he had an HP pool of only 90. Which was perfectly That's man. What? That yes. is low for a level 20 character. Yes, and I did two things to improve that. It was perfectly manageable with Dark Healing Field, because he was sapping the whole party for health at once. He would nearly full heal pretty much every time he got hit. And I botched his HP numbers all the time. Because <laughs> sometimes he was a vision and sometimes he wasn't a vision. Yeah, he would kind of he had he he was really good at like kind of he, he had this place called Cornucopia where he 
kind of he baited the party there with a distress signal Let's, for a close friend. Can of we set the tone with this really quick? Cornucopia came out of high, like subspace. Yes, just entered the galaxy after being gone for like supposedly long, a super long time. It was I kind of stole the uh, what was that called? Oh, the project, <laughs> project far away. Or <laughs> no. Oh, is it a Star Wars? It was kind of a Star Wars thing where they sent an expedition into the un- unknown regions. This was part of Thrawn's like early backstory. Okay, okay. And I, I like the idea. So I was like, okay, this is some sort of pleasure cruise that goes into deep space, got lost around the time, sometime before the Clone Wars, and has now suddenly returned. Hinch maybe has some sort of connection there. I think I made his like true love was lost on, on this voyage or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. I kind of made his story wishy-washy because I don't know. It was, it was cool. It was ambiguous. Yeah, it was cool. And he, and he sucked for it. And he sucked for it big time. I, I alluded to tragedy in his past, but we didn't really ever explore that. Cause it's so funny. Cause like, yeah, his tragedy. No, his tragedy was like his love was lost or whatever. Yeah. But then everything he did just made everyone hate him yeah. so much. <laughs> And he was sneering. He was, you know, very mocking the party as, you know, he was chopping limbs off, stuff like that. But yeah, Cornucopia was this pleasure cruise that disappeared long ago and suddenly reappeared with a distress signal somewhere near the party. And they went to go check it out. And it turns out the whole thing was some kind of sort of force hallucination he set up. The I split the party up five ways. Everyone kind of had. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I split the party up five ways. Everyone kind of had their own like visions that they needed to work through and they were slowly like kind of reconnecting with each other. The party was building up some important NPCs were scattered about and the party was slowly reassembled for what I think was the penultimate confrontation with Hinch Beltane. I'm not mistaken. And then he gets away and then he gets away for one last time. Yeah. And it, that's what sucked. And that's that, what sucked is that he did all this shit to us. Yeah. And we had such an awful time, like just in this place, it sucked. It was the worst. And then he leaves at the last minute. <laughs> Going through more of his talents, he's got block, repose, deflect, like I said, noble fencing style, leading faint, personal favorite of mine, dirty tricks, another good one, master of elegance, out of nowhere, dark healing, improved dark healing, dark healing field, and of course, dark side master. I think a few of those I straight up cheesed just to have because he was a level 20 boss enemy. You can do that with but bosses. But you, you can do that with a, with a boss. No one's going to care. You can put extra feats on it, anything you want. Anything you want. Memory walk's really cool. I'm sure people are familiar with this one. You, you force... Someone to relive a, a violent or traumatic memory. Do be careful with your players on that one. Be very gentle. <laughs> as long do it only do it if it's cool for story reasons. Don't do it just to be a dick. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is you know this was one of my first like Swissy creations. So dear listener, you get to see it, and you have to be nice to me. Well, Stephen, I was like, I'm more curious of what sort of when you were approaching this design wise. Did you know, like, what you wanted to do with this character? Yeah, I wanted a character because of some stuff I was kind of going through at the time. I wanted to experiment with, like, the idea of unreality, like to to really see what it would be like at the RPG table to experiment with things that look, sound and feel completely real, entirely real, like no checks to for, you know, illusions or whatever. To, to experiment with that kind of as a storytelling space where players aren't entirely sure if the choices they're making have any impact on like actual reality. And then telling a story that calls into question, like what is reality? You know, Hinch Beltane's operating in this sort of twisted place where he's kind of one foot in his past, one foot in the future, obsessed with resurrecting this master figure of his and his motivations for doing that are totally out of touch with, the party's, you know, living, breathing world, you know, the only destruction waits to the party if, if Hinchbeltane succeeds, but he truly believed that he was 
you know, writing a great wrong. You know, he was trying to resurrect the only guy he liked hanging out with. I, I imagine <laughs> like that's going to be my arc. When you finally lose, main <laughs> NPC. I have to go on a quest to like resurrect Steven. Oh man. Get the dragon balls. <laughs> and I, I just think vampires are cool. Also, that was a big motivator. I mean, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, just drawing inspiration from whatever you want to make your villains cooler and better. Cause he very much at the table. I was there. He very much gave off the, Hey, star Wars, Dracula, but a thousand times more fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. And his name sucks. His name sucks. Hinch, Hinch Beltane. Beltane. I was like, what's the pompiest, like poshiest oh. name I can come up with. Any hinches listening right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any hinches out there? If you know someone named Hinch, tell them they have a villain name. <laughs> <laughs> Well, th- thank you so much, Stephen. I'm glad I asked you to bring that because I think it was nice just to talk about and maybe inspire someone out there who's listening to make a cool villain for their next one shot or their next long form campaign. Of course. Expect more spooky, <laughs> scary talks in the future, you know? Oh, yeah. We're not done with this yet. Not even a little bit. We're going to milk the whole month. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Like capital, like, like uh, corporations milk Halloween from September onwards we're going to milk everything from October onwards. What a weird sentence I've had to say. It's milking never sounds right. I've had to say some weird things on this show, Steven, but I don't think nothing is as weird as that. We have to milk the whole month. Oh, I just think using milk as a verb is never a good idea. Not really. Steven, it's that time. Yeah. What's up? Time for everyone's favorite. Oh, game. okay. Yeah, sure. Um, the trivia this week. Nope. Oh, you wish oh. I, I put my I, I crossed my two lightsabers around your neck and the tiny Sam on my shoulder says, kill him, kill him now. Um, no, this is everyone, everyone's favorite part of the show. Name that NPC or I literally kill you. Steven, the point of the show, uh, not the show, this is more of like a game within a game within a show. How's that sound? Whoa. I know, right? Few layers there. It's very layers. I've got an NPC stat block here, courtesy of Zoli Krolik this week. And Steven has three chances to ask a yes or no question and then give a guess on what he thinks the stat block is. If he fails all three times, I will kill him where he stands and I will be looking for a new host in the coming months. Alrighty, Steven. Courtesy of Zoli Krolik, I've got a stat block from the Knights of the Old Republic campaign guide. Affiliations, the Sith, the Sith Empire. We've got Medium, Human, Jedi 7, Jedi Knight 5, Sith Apprentice 4, Sith Lord 4. CL20 stat block, Steven. Are you ready? Oh, Are you even shit. ready? Are you even paying attention? I was looking up a quote for later. Are you even? Oh, he's doing. He's he's, he's counting his the rest of his life before it hatches <laughs> is what I'm hearing. We've got destiny points two, force points eight, dark side score 15. Oh, man. Languages, basic, Mandoa, Sith. Defenses, reflex defense 35, fortitude 38, will defense 35, block and deflect 185 hit points. A damage threshold of 38. They're immune to fear effects also, Stephen. On account of the Sith Lord. On account of the Sith Lord. A Sith Lord? A Sith Lord. Force power suite. Use the force plus 20. Battle strike. Dark rage. Force grip. Force lightning. Force scream. Force stun. Force whirlwind. Rebuke and surge. The force secrets. Devastating power. Distant power. Shaped power. The force techniques. Dominate Mind, Force Power Mastery, Force Whirlwind, Improved Force Stun, and Improved Light Object. Improved Move Light Object, rather. Did you have a question, Stephen? Yeah, I've got a question. Ask away. 
It isn't Revan, right? It's not Revan. Okay, then it's Darth Malak. Steven, that is correct. It is Darth Malak. Other notable things about Darth Malak's stat block include the talents Armored Defense, Block, Dark Healing, Dark Side Adept, Dark Side Master, Deflect, Force Suppression, Force Warning, Multi-Attack Proficiency Lightsabers, Weapon Specialization Lightsabers, and Wicked Strike. It's always nice to see a Jedi build have Armored Defense. <laughs> you know? like Not like there's two other talents that you probably should be taking as well, <laughs> but Armored Defense is nice. Yeah, Darth Malak uh, notably does use battle armor called Darth Malak's battle armor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. Plus six to reflex and plus two to fortitude. It has a self-built lightsaber and a Sith war sword, which is a war sword with a Sith alchemical weapon template. Oh, fun. Isn't that nice? Well, good, good boss drops for Darth yeah, Malak. seriously. <laughs> and Steven, was Lord Krolik really thought he got you with that one, to be honest? I said that a few times, yeah? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, he's he's alive, and so he's so happy that he's alive that he's rubbing it in our listeners' faces. All right. Steven, do you have any trivia for us this week? I don't. You don't? I don't, you sorry. You were talking it up like you had some, and you Did don't I? have any. Yeah, remember before I started the segment, you were like, oh, our trivia this week. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Sorry, I forgot to be internally consistent with my gags. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Thank you, listener, for listening to Dark Times Podcast. And thank you, Stephen, for being here. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Sam. The Dark Times Podcast is produced and edited by me, Sam. Stephen's my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us, DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Support the show on Patreon to get a sticker or a t-shirt and a sticker. Isn't that cool? After being a patron for three months, get all the cool handouts we've got up there. We're going to have some more Dark Times module stuff up there. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your show. Send us in your review. We'll shout you out on the show. Tell us you told a friend. We'll shout you both out on the show. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? When one chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore, you are both hunter and prey. Damn, that's fucking cool as shit. Like a kitty cat. Like a kitty cat. Hunter and prey. Um, I don't know any kitty cats that are prey, Steven. I'm not gonna lie. Cats occupy a like middle position in their in their ecologic, like natural trophic level. Do you mean like big cats or do you mean like cat cats? I mean like domestic cats are descended from creatures that were not apex predators and not at the bottom of the food chain either. That's why they're so flighty and scared, but also very proficient in killing. Wow, Steven. Yeah. Who says that? Scientists? What? No, the quote. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the armor. The armor. Oh, Mandalorian. Yeah. Or, or is that man? That might be a book of Boba Fett quote. No, it's from the armor. Oh well, you know we was the armor in yes. book of Boba. Oh man, that's right. She was. Remember halfway through the yeah. book of Boba Fett show? Yeah, we, when it was when it wasn't the Boba Fett. When show it was a different episodes? was a different show entirely. Man, what was going? Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> man, what was going on with that? Huh? It's how I knew I really wasn't enjoying the show because I was I was huffing copium. Right. Yeah. But then it's it's how I, I kind of woke up when I realized that I was really enjoying the show when it became a different show entirely. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's bad. I liked the the yeah. flashbacks. Oh yeah, those were cool. It was really cool. I liked those sequences. Like when he ate the, the lizard, went to his nose or ear oh, or something. Yeah, that yeah, was cool. Yeah. I liked that. Very trippy. Man. And Tamara Morrison's just awesome. Do you it's think just... we'll ever? How are they going to top Din Djarin killing a? fucking uh crate dragon i don't know i genuinely don't know how that was really that. cool <laughs> fucking sick man you know what listener if you're still listening go back and watch the mandalorian <laughs> and get some cool inspiration for your tabletop game